Welcome to episode 15 of the Anti-Reactive Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Hoppe, parent educator and counselor, mom of two, and lover of all things related to parenting. Today's episode is going to take on a slightly different format. For those of you who don't know, my family and I live in Florida, and this past week has been weighty, to say the least, thanks to Hurricane Ian. Our family was extremely fortunate to be safe during, before, and after the storm, and our home did not sustain any real damage. But beyond that, we are completely heartbroken and devastated over what has happened to our neighbors south of us who lost everything. I've honestly been left speechless for the past few days, as what happened in Fort Myers and Sanibel Island was originally predicted to happen to us in our area just a couple of days before the storm turned and made landfall further south. It's been a time of a lot of mixed emotions, including sadness and gratitude, and while everyone here has had to make plans and preparations and ride out a devastating storm and return home to what may or may not still be standing, parents have also had to bear the weight of bringing their children through this event. So today, I wanted to take the time to be a little more candid with you about what my own personal experiences have been going through an emergency situation with children, and how parents can help their children when an emergency or a crisis arises. First of all, just a reminder that this is the Anti-Reactive Parenting Podcast, and being anti-reactive means planning ahead. Now, no one can truly plan ahead for an emergency or a crisis, But there are things we can do to make things easier so when emergencies do arise, we have resources to draw upon. For our family, our biggest and best resource is our community. I talked about building a community in episode 10, so feel free to take a listen if you'd like to dive further into that topic. But few things in life rival boarding up your home and leaving all of what you own behind, not knowing if it will be there when you return. That's what we deal with in Florida, but no place on earth is immune to natural disasters. If it's not hurricanes you worry about, it may be wildfires you evacuate for, or your community sees flooding or tornadoes, earthquakes, blizzards, or extreme temperatures. We've lived in places vulnerable to all of these types of events, and it doesn't matter how much or how little you possess, Mother Nature can sweep through in an instant and take it all. Many in our community here feared the worst of what might happen, and we were all confronted with the idea that we might lose everything. Then what do you do? Unfortunately, the first thing we knew we could do is turn to our community. We've intentionally built a community up around us of amazing people and organizations that share the same values that we do. And we've done this everywhere we've ever lived. I've shared with you guys before, we've lived a lot of places all around the country due to my husband's naval service. Um, And now we're fortunate that we've been able to put down roots here where we are now. Um, But no matter how often we've moved or where we've moved to, we've always sought to create some type of community. And we've done this with people. And we've also done this through organizations that share the values that we do. And... Um, We seek to add more people into our community all of the time because we so strongly believe in community and the idea that people need each other. So in the event of a tragedy, who do you have in your life that you can lean on? Leaving our home, we knew that no matter what was waiting for us when we returned, we had our faith community we could lean on. We had our neighbors who we have formed relationships with and are always there to help one another. 
We have friends with a wide variety of expertise and knowledge, and we have our family who lives in various areas around the country away from where we were experiencing a natural disaster. But no matter what happened, help was to be had somewhere. Now, I realize that our family is extremely fortunate to have such a large community of people we can truly lean on. We have a great family. We live in a decent neighborhood in a large city with a lot of resources. But this amazing community we have built up around us did not happen by accident. So even if you don't have family you can rely on, or you're new to your neighborhood and don't know a lot of people, or you live in a rural area, there are plenty of opportunities around you to create community and create it around your family. Even just one friend you can count on to be like family is everything. Tragedy can feel lonely and isolating, and when a crisis occurs, you need someone to go through it with. So if you don't have community or you feel isolated, I encourage you to make some connections. You can meet people at a church, talk to another parent that you see at the playground, go out of your way to connect with the families at your child's school or daycare. And I'm a part of a handful of local mom groups on Facebook, and I see moms reach out all of the time about wanting to make friends and form community, which is awesome. Hey, if you don't know your neighbors, go introduce yourself. If you're an introvert like me, these can all be extremely uncomfortable exercises, but trust me, it is worth it. In a crisis, you're going to need help and best to have it already built in. People who would do anything for you and those are the people you would do the exact same thing for. Ones that you would be there for in an instant if they ever needed anything. Another great part of having a community is not only that it gave my husband and I peace of mind, but it also gave us something to point our children towards. We regularly checked in on our friends and our neighbors before, during, and after the hurricane, and when we did, we could tell our kids that the people in their lives were all right. This let our children know that we weren't the only ones going through this ordeal, and it also gave them security and peace of mind to know that the ones who are important to us are okay, and we'll still be there, and we will be there for them. Now, through this whole thing, my husband and I were constantly making decisions about not only who to prepare, how to prepare and weather the storm, but how to prepare our children for what was happening and to talk to them about it. It's difficult to know what the right thing to do is in these moments, and it will be interesting to see as time passes how our children view Hurricane Ian or what they will remember about it. I was talking to a friend today about her experience as a child going through a devastating earthquake, and while she remembers it well, her younger sister has no recollection of the event at all and certainly did not experience any trauma from it. There's a fine line as a parent between informing your kids of the reality of the situation and either telling them too much or too little. I was a teenager in school when September 11 happened. The school district I was in immediately instructed all teachers to not tell the students anything about what was going on and to go on through the day business as usual. I mean, can you believe that? Those poor teachers had to act like nothing had happened and I wholeheartedly disagree that that was the right approach to take with students, pretending like nothing happened. Fortunately, I had some teachers with better judgment and were honest with us at an age-appropriate level about what was happening, and they turned on their TVs so we could watch history unfold. I think kids are capable of handling more than we as parents like to give them credit for. 
And I think that's actually because they don't have a fully developed prefrontal cortex, so they cannot fully comprehend the gravity of any bad situation. But it also protects them from the lasting effects of tragedy. So in the case of what our family recently went through, we were forthcoming with our children about the fact that a hurricane was coming and we needed to leave our home, but we would take all of the precautions we could to protect our home and more importantly, ourselves. Crises bring about uncertainty, so it's important to stick to the simple facts. No one knows the direct path of a hurricane until it's actually happening. They make last-minute turns all of the time. I mean, and that's the case with any natural disaster. So we didn't belabor them with all of the possible outcomes, but rather what we factually knew in the moment and the plan we had to get through it. In any crisis, you can't predict what's going to happen next or what the lasting outcomes or effects will be. So don't project your predictions onto your kids about worst-case scenarios. Stick with what they can see and hear and experience in the moment, and don't go too deep. We were also careful to consider how much we watch news coverage of the event with our kids. We live in Florida. They need to know about hurricanes and see what these storms are capable of so they can make good decisions when it's their turn to deal with a natural disaster as grown-ups. But we didn't need to watch coverage of the devastation on repeat. We didn't tell them about some of the horrors other people expect experience because some of them were too difficult even for me as an adult to see or to read about. And we're not going to go forward by letting this experience define all other future decisions or to cause us to live in unnecessary fear. So my husband and I modeled calm, modeled a sense of control, communicated clearly and simply to our children what they needed to know one step at a time. We even talked about our feelings. There were times that my kids asked me how I was feeling, and I was honest with them, but held back any kind of sense of drama or anything. You know, my daughter looked at me and said, you know, how are you feeling about all this? And I told her, honestly, I'm a little scared, but I'm also not worried about what's going to happen. Um, So I let her know my true feelings because we were all going through a crazy event together, and it would be weird not to acknowledge that. Um... We needed to deal with the reality of the situation, but it also gave them the chance to tell me how they were feeling, but also provide them with a sense of security at the same time. Um, like I said, I don't know what the future is going to hold, what their memories are going to be of this, and in their eyes, it may likely just be a memory of an adventure with lessons learned about what Mother Nature is capable of and that they were safe and the importance of being proactive in emergency situations. Once a crisis has passed, it's time to deal with the aftermath. Aftermath brings a lot of questions, lots of emotions, and very few answers. Parenting through the aftermath is tricky, especially since we as adults are trying to process the events ourselves and figure out what actions we need to take. There's not a whole lot of capacity for endless questions from our little people when we have so many questions ourselves. Some of my favorite advice on this, which maybe you've heard before, comes from Mr. Rogers. He says, look for the helpers. When an emergency occurs, whether small scale or large scale, there are always people who jump into action. In our case, hurricanes give you a lot of warning that something bad is going to happen somewhere, and the needs will include restoring electricity, gasoline, rescue, demolition, and rebuilding. In any emergency, people will need to be taken care of food, water, shelter, support, medical care, amongst other things. In any of these cases, there are people who know how to respond and provide these things. 
people who are not in crisis, who can think clearly and can activate. Utility trucks started heading down south days in advance, ready to restore power. So as we drove home, knowing we would drive by a lot of ruin and devastation, I told my kids, look for the helpers. I pointed out to them different types of trucks and vehicles on the road, which would all provide different types of help. I pointed out which direction they were traveling, which were clues about who they would be helping. Can you imagine how reassuring that must be to a child to know help was actively on the way for those who needed it most? I mean, as an adult, it was extremely reassuring to see help was on the way. I got goosebumps every time we passed a caravan of trucks or utility vehicles with all these out-of-state plates, just in awe of how much help was already prepared to respond. My kids decided to count the number of helper vehicles they saw on the road while we drove home from evacuating. They reached 100 in about 15 to 20 minutes. I love that they decided to count because it gave their brain something to do, something interesting to focus on, and it gave my husband and I the chance to talk and plan as we drove home, all the while reinforcing a sense of security that those in crisis weren't on their own. It was so good. I wish I had thought of the idea. So remember the wisdom of Mr. Rogers. Look for the helpers. Finally, as we returned home, began cleaning up the debris, putting our house back together, and worked our way towards returning to normal, my husband and I were very intentional to share our gratitude with our children. In fact, through the whole event, we were talking about gratitude. We were grateful for a place to evacuate to, grateful we had what we needed to prepare what we could, Grateful for our neighbors who opted to stay behind and agreed to watch over our home. Grateful for electricity and internet to power our communications in and out. Grateful that our friends were safe. I mean, I could go on and on, but we were extremely fortunate to be spared from total tragedy. And it was important to us that our kids understand how fortunate we all were and have that understanding and perspective and that we could use what we still have to help others who didn't come out of this so well which comes back around to my points about community and about helpers. I have no idea what my kids will remember about Hurricane Ian, whether it just felt like one big adventure or if they won't remember much of it at all, but I do hope that this experience taught them the value and importance of their family, friends, and community, the importance of staying calm in an emergency, and a little bit about gratitude. Time will tell, but... I did want to open up and share a little bit about our family's experience through Hurricane Ian, and I pray none of you ever experience true tragedy or crisis, but in the event that you do, you have some tools and some wisdom to draw upon. If anyone listening is wondering how you can help those affected by Hurricane Ian, please know that recovery will take place over many weeks and months, and financial donations are the best way to help those in need. The Florida Disaster Fund is a private fund that receives donations to partner with both the public and private sectors and non-governmental agencies to provide response and recovery at the local level. I know when making donations, the concerns are always about where the money will go and how much of it will actually make it to the victims. 100% of all donations made to the Florida Disaster Fund that are earmarked for Hurricane Ian will go directly to recovery efforts. And they are even waiving all credit card fees, so 100% of any money donated will go directly to the recovery cause. I have no connection to this um, organization. I'm just a fellow Floridian caring about my neighbors. So if you would like to learn more, you can go to the website 
www.volunteerflorida.org slash donate FDF. I'll put a link for that um, website in the show notes. So if you do decide to donate, just remember to select that you are donating towards Hurricane Ian relief efforts so that all of the funds go directly towards helping people of this tragedy. As always, I want to thank you listeners for tuning in. I'd like to invite you to join and help grow our very important community of anti-reactive parents. The best way to do this is to leave a five-star review of this podcast because the algorithms love it. And when you do that, it helps this podcast podcast reach others and we can all grow together. Also, don't forget to follow our podcast and add it to your library so you don't miss an episode. I appreciate you all and I'm grateful to be here with you. Until next time, parent intentionally, plan for what's to come, and be anti-reactive.